0: our flesh is in constant battle wanting to justify our wants mm-hmm. and our fleshly desires and it's hard i go through it in my life you know is is being blessed with this something that is just of me because i want to show off or because i want or because i want it to to be something special I want to be something special is that what it is or is it just simply I like it you know um, a brand new vehicle for instance um, whenever we was going to that and I kept going down through it to me it's just a vehicle I haven't even driven it yet I could care less um, and it, it doesn't it's, that's not what's important is what was important to me was i wanted something that i didn't have to send down to the shop every time i turned around um because um, it costs time it costs money it costs resources and and you get tired of the phone calls of of my gas tanks leaking everywhere and all kinds of stuff or the phone call from well I got that head off, and uh, that's the good news. The bad news is you're gonna need a whole new motor. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I'm like, I don't want that anymore. That's why I want the new vehicle. And, and it, you know, then it becomes a spiritual gift, is what you find, you know. Why do you want that Rolex watch? Is it just because you like it? Then it can be a blessing. Or are you wanting it so when you walk in the room, everybody looks at you and your Rolex watch. It says, well, he's something special. Of course, it wouldn't be me because I wouldn't even know it was a Rolex unless you told me. But <laughs> But we fight. We fight constant battles of this flesh trying to creep in. And take control of our decision making. Um, We gotta be careful, compassionate things can lead us into allowing right to be wrong, wrong to be right. Um, And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a mess. Um, I'm gonna take this back and read a little story In Genesis chapter 26, we get conceptions all the time of of, uh, prosperity and (coughs) prosperity is not about being rich. Prosperity means that you're prosperous in all areas. Prosperity You should have love in your home, a prosperity of love, prosperity of peace, righteousness, and the Holy Ghost type things, you know. Prosperity, sometimes you look at people's lives and just because they got a lot of money, that doesn't mean they're really prosperous. Look at their lives. If you get real close, what are their lives really about? Are they really prosperous? It may seem to the naked eye, that that's prosperity. But prosperity, the Word of God goes to define it. I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, but um, in the book of Proverbs, that a righteous man makes an inheritance for his children's children. So true prosperity means that you haven't just left something for your spouse or for your children, but also for your grandchildren, that you have left them something. Um, Now Abraham, when he was called into the land um, that he was gonna be promised, his children and his children's children, and many more children after that were also gonna have. (coughs) Something interesting about Abraham, Abraham was not a preacher. But yeah, he's the father of faith. He's what most ministries are built around. Isn't that amazing? Um, Abraham was wealthy in many areas of his life. Prosperity showed up to him being a hundred years old and having a child. Of course. Some may not think that's prosperity, but I think it's pretty amazing. <laughs> hey, man, come on. <laughs> some, some just in their 60s and 70s in this room, you think about having a baby right now. <laughs> but it, it is amazing that all the things that he was able to do, He was, like I said, he wasn't a preacher. But he is yet still the father of faith. But he was prosperous with family. I mean, to the point now that he's had so many descendants from him that it's unnumberable, to us anyways. Um, And when he was going through the land and the things that he did he was preparing for something that he couldn't see which was all those generations after him and of course he secured land um, and he made wells and back then a well was like us having an oil well right now it would be the same economic thing because you we still have to have water. I mean, us here in the Midwest, we're more blessed, I think, than the rest of the country, that we don't think too much about turning on our faucet and having water. And, you know, I mean, there's places out west that they're rationed on how much they can because they're they're expelling their water supply. Like out in Vegas, they're getting so many people they can't supply all that water. So they're we're we're very blessed. Um, back then, you needed it if you were going to be have any wealth at all because you were going to have sheep, right? Or you was going to have goats. You was going to have some livestock. You needed water for them. And if you were going to have people help you, in other words, you're going to have people hired hands and people coming in to do that, you had to be able to supply them with water or they would go to somebody that could. Well, and Abraham had to fight for everything that he got. And Abraham, towards the end of his life, um, nobody messed with him much anymore, um, especially after he went in and, and, and did the, the biggest battle he probably had there at the end was with Lot when he went in and, and got Lot. And he didn't just do that, but he took everything back. And, um, of course, there was a place in there where there was some uh, Melchizedek, a priest, came in. and. And he gave a tenth to the priest and and all of that happened, but but Abraham was established at this point. Nobody tested him and what he was going through. Matter of fact, at this point, at this point, you know, he got to the point where he became such a friend with God that God didn't feel it right to even go do something without talking to Abraham. Um, and that's when he sat down with Abraham and said, you know, Abraham actually presented himself before God and said, you know, what if there's 50 righteous? Would you save the city? And you find that Abraham had became something that all good leaders become, which is an intercessor of some sort, you know, Uh, Moses was an intercessor. There was was a couple times that God said, we can just wipe them all out and start all over Moses. And then Moses had to think about it. No, I'm not going to do that. We can make this work. Um, But Abraham had wells that he had dug, and nobody was fooling with those wells while he was alive. But after he dies... They look at the descendants of Abraham and they think, well, they're not going to fight for this. They're not going to do nothing for this. And they're too busy off into the world and doing what they're doing. So what did they do? They came by and stopped up the wells is what they did. You know, and don't think that Lucifer's devices are any different on what he does today. He sees a generation that stood on the Word of God, that believed that this was the holy, written Word of God, that stood strong on it, that wasn't moved, that was the tree planted by the river's water. Amen. That kept true to a repenting heart, that every time that the devil presented himself, that they would resist him and say, no, I'm not going to have a part in that. Amen. And They kept that water clean and pure is what they did. All built and established on the word of God. But then the next generation's always gonna be a tried generation because it's always a generation. Are they gonna be, the question to Lucifer is always gonna be, can I make them susceptible? Can I draw them in a little bit, just a piece of this? Can I make them just draw to this sin a little bit? Because you'll do a little bit and God will let you go so far. And then he will give you up to your own device if you don't repent of it. And that happens to a lot of people, a lot of generations, a lot of churches. How many churches do you see built and established on the word of God and running strong? And then they allow the milkiness of the world, of the worldly thoughts to kind of filter in on that. And then all of a sudden, well, you don't need to fast and pray. You don't need to exercise those gifts. You know, it just starts to puddle up, and the next thing you know, you've got a stopped up well. And that well quits producing because he says, out of your belly should come living waters, right? Amen. Rivers of living waters. We should be. Willing and ready and waiting, and all we our cups should be so much overflowing of the love and the grace and the mercies of God that there's enough for us and everybody else around us, amen. <coughs> um verse 18 in chapter 26, and Isaac digged again and the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. So Abraham dies off. They think they can stop it. And he comes by and he says, we're going to dig this well up again. Every generation has to dig a well. They have to dig that well back up. They have to do it for themselves. So many times we find ourselves, you know, not wanting to let go of our children and things. They have to get out and they've got to figure it out. And it's hard. It's hard to sit back and allow that child to figure out how to dig that well. But they gotta dig that well. Every generation, you can build on what the last generation's had, but you're gonna have to dig a well too. You're gonna have to have that living water coming out of it. You're gonna have to get rid of all that mud and that muck that the enemy has tried to throw in this thing. Because even as we're building, the tares are being planted right along with us, right? And God said, I'm not going to remove them. So you've got to dig through that muck and that mud and you've got to get that out of there and each generation has to find the Lord for themselves. They have to be established on the Savior themselves. That relationship has to be renewed for themselves. Amen. I can't do that for them. I'm going to watch the next generation do some things that they shouldn't do and I'm going to have to look at them and say, don't do this. But they're, if they, and they, make, they muck up that water, then they're going to have to get that muck out of that water if they don't want the next generation to suffer it. Amen. And the herdsmen of Gerah did strive, and Isaac's herdsmen saying The water is ours. And he called them the name of the well, Isaac, because they stove with him. Now I'm going to tell you something. The devil is out there to steal, lie, and destroy the devil's going to try to take every ounce of good, clean water. Whenever we say, whenever we get up and we preach this wonderful word of God. And that says you need to walk by the Spirit of God, amen. You need to get into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're wondering what's sitting in the middle of it, maybe you need to look at your life and get the sin out of your life. A constant life of repentance is what I'm here to offer you, amen. And that's what it's going to take, you know. Friday night we talked about King David. And King David got himself to the point. He actually turned out with his decisions being about the lowest of a man that you could ever be. He was a murderer, a liar, and a thief. He had all that standing before him. When that prophet looked at him in the middle of the room and took his life into his own hands, praise God, and said, you're the man that did that, amen you got to be able to read the Word and read this for yourself and understand whenever it says you're the man. Sometimes it says, Reverend Dave, you are the man. Right. You have to walk away from that, amen. If you want a relationship and deepen it, you got to get that murky water out of there. Right. you got to get rid of it, amen. The way you get rid of it is to the blood of God. You see, he says, with anything that you've gotten yourself into, I've given you a way of escape. Yeah. James lays it out plain and short and sweet and simple. Resist the devil. Submit yourself to God. Mm -hmm. And he will flee from you. And it isn't easy. It It isn't always easy. It's easy for the spirit. That's why it says you've got to renew this mind daily. Every day. day. Because you're not going to do it in this flesh. When somebody finally looked at David and he knew he was caught, David quit making excuses. David quit sitting around and saying, well, I'm just going to keep committing this sin and I'm going to stay in the belly of this fish, just (laughs) because the belly of hell. That's where where it keeps you is in the belly of hell. Uh, And I could just stay there and justify myself or I could submit myself to the will of God. Amen. The will of God is what creates healing. We always talk about these, these wonderful things of God, the healing of God, amen, coming in and healing this marriage, healing this relationship, healing whatever it is that ails you. But what does it take to get there? If there's no repentance, then you can't get there, amen. You will stay right there stuck in that own device. And I can't do nothing for you. Bishop Mary can't do nothing for you. Brother Fred can't even do nothing for you. But that when David sit there and he got that presented to him and he said I've done wrong. Yeah. And then he has to do what's amazing. This is what God will do for you is yes he gets down and he prays because there's going to be a price to pay. And he prays for this child, this unborn child not to die. But it does. But David does something Amazing. This is what a repentant man can do. This is what a repentance heart can do. Is that he got back up, he washed his face, he walked in, he praised God and worshipped him. And thanked him for everything that he was in his life. And he looked forward to the mark of a higher calling in God. And he still went right back. And you got to understand is that he had to walk right back into that king room. We talked about this Friday night. I don't know why I'm back into it, but I guess I... He had to walk right back in to the palace and sit down as king while the rest of them sat around and whispered about what David had done. But David's power was in this. I repented and my God is grace. My God has come to my rescue. He is my fortress. He heard this poor man when he cried out, no, I didn't deserve it and it ain't right, but guess what? God's made me king, amen, and I walk in repentance so God ain't taking the kingdom away from me. That's what will happen if you walk your life and you do not walk in repentance He'll take it away. Mm -hmm. He'll take stuff away. Your next generations will have to deal with your issues that you put up there that you have made. That's why it is so important I've been on this repentance thing now for the past several months when I preach it just keeps coming out but we have to be a church of repentance, a church that when we see this is wrong, let's change it. You've got to do something different, amen. I have to do it in my life. you got to do it in yours. We've got to do it together, amen, that when we see something and it's not right, you can't call it right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. And, and that's hard. It's hard to stand in for the truth. It's hard to get rid of those mucky waters sometimes because it's mucked up good. It feels good. I could justify it. I like it. I don't want out of this. But you can't get the thing that's better which is the righteousness of God. Amen. In Luke chapter 13 Jesus has been going through a lot of parables during this time and, and talking and He's trying to get them to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. Is what he's trying to get them to understand. Um, so he keeps talking and talking, and but the most important thing that Jesus called was a repentance. And you don't get stuck on it; it doesn't stop just in Acts two thirty-eight. Right. Yes, you repented that day, and it's going to feel great for a while. But the adversary is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and you're going to get crushed. You're going to go through a crushing. We're all going through crushings constantly to become something better than what we are today. These crushings don't feel good, but it tests us to the point of our faith. Do we believe that we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us? Do we believe that he is our fortress? Amen. Do we believe that he hides us in his pavilion? Do you believe what he says in his word about you? Do you believe you have been commenced through the sons of God, that his blood cleansed you of your past sins, your present sins, and your sins you're going to commit? Do you believe in these things? In the chapter 13 of Luke, it says, there were present at the season some that told him of the Galatians whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose you that the Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? That's what we think about a lot of people. You know, it's easy. And sometimes it is true. The sin of your life is... Over you right now. You made these choices and it's coming in on you. Sometimes not. You know, we've talked about this isn't a book about fairness. I keep going on about that. I want to make sure everybody understands the book isn't nothing about fairness. If it had been fair, Jesus wouldn't have been on the cross in the middle there. He wouldn't have had to suffer and die for your sins. That wasn't fair. He didn't commit those. You did. I did. We all did. So it's not about fairness. Sometimes I'm blessed with things that I didn't sow nothing in. Sometimes it was somebody that went before me and I just walk in and I just get blessed, amen. Amen. Sometimes I gotta sow some seed and I'm sowing seed that I will never see in my lifetime come to pass. But praise God, somebody, one of my descendants may walk in that room and they get blessed over that, amen. Hallelujah. You know? I tell you nay but except you repent you shall all likewise perish nobody likes that verse you got to repent or is we just get given up to our own devices a life of repentance and it's hard because sometimes you don't want to forgive yourself <laughs> that's really hard that's part that's the hardest on me I, I could trust you on this. By the time that I've done something wrong and you know about it, nothing that you say is going to be any worse than what I've already said and done to myself. (laughs) I can promise you that. (laughs) And I have a harder time when I do something wrong, you know, when I say something to my wife that I shouldn't say, um, in a way that I shouldn't say it, or do something like that, I could trust me. It takes me days to get through letting go of it myself. Other people will let go of it quicker than I do, you know. Um, but I come from a generation that wants to seek perfection too. So <laughs> that, that, that. And part of that's good. Some of it is healthy, you know. You know, there, especially you take two generations ago, and I know most of the people that I was around, they wanted to do, my grandfather always told me this, whatever you do, you do it the best. Yeah. He said, I don't care, if you, if, you're dig, if you dig ditches, you dig the best ditch, right. yeah. period. If you're washing windows, you wash the window the best. Anything worth doing, you do it your best. You it your best. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and I still believe in that philosophy I believe that that God wants us to do our best. Amen. And then he'll fill in. He said, you know, some 30, some 40, some 50, some 60 fold. You know, some 100 fold. Sometimes I'm 30. And I need him to do the other 70. (laughs) But if I do everything I can do to make that as right as I can, then he'll bless it. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Shalom fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall likewise perish. I usually don't have so much perishing in the middle of my sermons. This is kind of new for me, but. <laughs> off victory in the blood. There is victory in the blood, amen. But we always have to keep ourselves not being ignorant to his devices. And not being taken in by silly things that the sin is sin. And you still got to stand. The church must stand and the people of the church stand. on. That is right. still, that is sin and that's going to bring destruction. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and argue about you going into heaven or not. That's between you and God. Amen. Amen. But I'm going to tell you this. When you allow the sin to come in, it can destroy your life and the people's lives around you. Amen. And, and, uh, uh, but, praise God, there's a way, out. There is a way out. That's the thing. That's the thing. There is a way out, and you can get out. And if you're having problems getting out, you call me up and say, Hey, i got to get out of this thing. Help me out. We can help one another without me going around and gossiping whatever is going on in your life. Yeah. Amen. Just a few more minutes, don't I praise God there's always victory in God if you are willing to believe him, mm-hmm. he can put things back together yeah. he can mend things and He is there to help you through all things. As long as we're willing to turn our face towards Him. Mm -hmm. And where we all get in trouble, I get in trouble too, is when He's not that center of whatever we're doing. Mm -hmm. Whether it's your work, your family, your friendships, whatever it is, God should be there because he is there. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Sometimes sometimes you may be doing things you don't want him to be there on, but I got news for you that that he's there. You know. He's he the Holy Ghost is not scared to walk in any of the nightclubs. That doesn't make him fearful or whatever's going on. I can promise you that the Holy Ghost has seen everything that's been out there to be seen. Go over this last scripture, Matthew chapter 13. And as we go forward, whatever happened yesterday happened yesterday. And yeah, you may still have to deal with some of those things. You may have to deal with some of those offenses, whether you was offended or the other way. But what are you gonna sow starting today? And behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell among the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon the stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. We gotta make for sure that we sow in a place where people can be rooted, where people had the time to grow, the space to grow, without so much condemnation that they can't walk out of it. Right, You know, um, the Holy Ghost's job is to convict, God's job is to judge, and our job is to love. And that's quoted from, One of the greatest evangelists. What was his name? Um, Graham, Graham, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Really, Graham. (laughs) And, you know, there's a man that he had a lot of opportunities in his life to fail, but didn't. and sowed a lot of seed in a lot of places, Amen. set beside a lot of presidents, and, and um, was counseled to a lot of great men of his era. And, uh, and when the sun was risen up, they were scorched, and, they, and because they had not rooted, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground, and they brought forth fruit, some a 100, some 60, and some 30-fold. Who hath a ear, let him hear. And obviously, we want our seed on good solid dirt that's got full of nutrients, and that can spring up the next generation to be able to dig out those wells that the enemy's gonna try to destroy we can't change that. We can't change that Every generation is going to have to roll up their sleeves. They're going to have to do what the generation before them did. There's no easy button in this. I wish that there was. If I found one, believe me, I'd tell y'all about it. But I don't believe there's an easy button, you know. A um, lot of, try to make money quick deals out there i've never seen any of them pan out and uh, uh like my father told me he told me he said if there was one out there i'd have found it by now <laughs> so and it's the same way with the church there's no easy button here you know i'm not going to promise you um, that there's not going to be somebody some evangelist that's going to come in here and say something that's maybe a little off. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to be grown up enough and to be able to divide the word of God because yeah. it says in the word of God speak those things out and see if it be of God some things got to be put up on a shelf are we going to allow that to come in the middle and, and destroy everything that we built? Let me tell you something if that happens then we ain't built much you know, um, there's going to be people say stuff about your brothers, your sisters, and and, and sometimes it's going to be true. It may be hard to stomach. Yeah, right. You know? Um, but are you going to allow that to stop us from building what we're trying to build? Amen? Together. And uh, um, I don't think anything can separate us from the love of God as long as we choose to stay in our stead and to be supportive, and to keep ourselves in his word. Amen. Amen. Now oh, bless the Lord this morning.